This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 108 of Small Talk. Your hosts are here, Steve Cerruti and Michelle Smallman. And we are hyped for this week's episode because we have a great guest who's going to join us later in the pod. You know him. He's a media mogul with Chalk Media and the Greenlight Podcast. And of course, he was a longtime St. Louis Ram and two-time Super Bowl champion. It's Chris Long. But most importantly, Steve, he is going to be the Fruit Draft Commissioner for small talk, which is huge. We had Mike Willett Jr. as the candy commissioner. We said, you know what? The fruit draft, again, highly contested. We need a commissioner to come in and anoint a winner. Chris Long, he ranked fruits on his podcast and was gracious enough to give us some time, and he's going to decide who is the winner of the fruit draft, so Rudy or Michelle. Yeah, our commissioners, Michelle, are stars. They're stars. I mean, we have Goa Jr., who obviously is on every program that ESPN has ever done. He's been a part of it. And Chris Long, two-time Super Bowl champ, as you mentioned, all-around cool dude, Chuck Media, one of the people that I feel like would be in the category of guys you would just want to have a beer with and chill and talk about life with. So I'm excited to talk to him for sure. And I still feel confident about my rankings. I know you think that you won in a landslide, but I don't know. I'm interested to hear what Chris has to say. I'm interested to hear what he has to say, too. And you're right. He's an all-time cool guy. You know, if you're doing a Mount Rushmore of cool guys, Chris Long is on it. For sure. And, you know, this actually gets me thinking, too. Do we have to retroactively go back and find a state draft commissioner, too? Ooh. Who, and who would it be? Who would even so, be qualified for that? That is a great question. And I think we must. Well, there's a, the pressure is on. I really think we should find a state draft commissioner. We can retroactively. Listen, the state draft is evergreen, okay? We can talk about the state draft a year from now, and it's yep. still going to be a hotly debated topic. But I think now that we have pulled out the big guns on the commissioners, we need to go back and award a true winner for the draft that started it all. Who's the biggest person on Travel Channel that we can get that's been to 50 states and can give us a definitive answer on who won this? Who's the international, not even international, I guess it would be domestic man of mystery or woman of mystery who is just a well-traveled person. Because that's the thing is I've only been to probably half the states. I would assume you've been to a little bit more than half because of you, you know, the stuff that you do with marathons and you're just well-traveled, period. So it's like we're taking states that we haven't even been to that we just think of. We need someone to give us a definitive answer of whether or not this is the right place where we rank the state. We need someone who probably travels a lot for work because I don't know in your leisure time if you're going just domestic, you know, if you're going coast to coast on the U.S. I would imagine some people might go to Mexico, might get a little island action working in there. So somebody who travels a lot for work and can genuinely judge our choices so let's think about this. Let's marinate on it and think about not only who would be a good commissioner, but someone we could actually land to do this. Yeah, and the Shelley's out there. If you got a suggestion, hit us up. We'll, uh, we'll take some, some suggestions here and we'll try to get somebody. Make it, we want a big name. We want somebody who has some star power because that's what we've done so far. Yeah, the day one Shelley's will come up with a great option for the They'll state know. draft commissioner. Um, okay, Steve, so before we get to Chris Long, we've got to kick a few things around. What do you have for us this week? Uh, I just feel like I was vindicated in my margarita is the most versatile cocktail take because did you see the drink that Red Lobster has put out now as a promo special? You know what? I am not super locked into the Red Lobster drinks and spirits menu. So please enlighten me. Listen, I can't say that I've been to a Red Lobster in my life, but I'm more likely to go to a Red Lobster now. They've come out with a new margarita that I guess they're serving at the restaurants. What's up? And it's super classy. It's called the Dugarita. It's a margarita made with Mountain Dew. Is anything more American than that? 
You know what, Steve? I can't think of anything that sounds better than slamming a dugarita and some Cheddar Bay biscuits on a Wednesday. What's a better hump day than that? Maybe getting some unlimited crab legs? First off, I've never been, so I want to go. Now I'm definitely going to go. And also, I would say that Mountain Dew, one of the most underrated sodas there is. In fact, it would probably be number two behind Coca-Cola for me. Like original Coca-Cola. Number two mm-hmm. behind original Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Have you lost your mind? Should we do a soda draft? Maybe, next? maybe. Mountain Dew number two is high. It is super high. I'm not going to tell you what I would go with just in case we do have a soda draft, but trust me, I'm not going do number two. I tip my hand here. I've given you my top two picks. I used to crush Mountain Dew in college. It was actually disgusting the amount of soda that I used to consume. I would drink a soda with every meal when I was in college. Every meal. Maybe not breakfast, but lunch and dinner, I would have a soda every time. And typically it would be vanilla Coke, which is also equally as disgusting to think about looking back at. But the habits of college kids, like, I don't know if people still do that, but I'm certainly people that I live with, my roommates in college, we used to all just down soda, gallons of soda daily. It's a mystery how I'm still somewhat healthy, at least quote unquote healthy. I've never been much of a soda girl. As you know, I definitely drink a root beer when I'm hungover, which is... A rare occasion these days because your girl's not really partying or hanging out that much so i don't really need the italian sub salt and vinegar chips root beer on ice combo as much as i used to in college but i was always a big water girl and always a big iced tea drinker to me as you know a crisp iced tea is way better than a soda i would oh that's a tough call the majority of sodas yes but there's something about a fountain coca-cola michelle that i kind of feel like is lavar ball undefeated never lost uh, if we're going Coca-Cola here, Coca-Cola cold from the glass bottle, way better than a fountain Coke. Uh, fountain soda is elite. There's a reason why fountain soda is what it is. It's freshly made syrup poured into soda water. It's perfect. So I, there's just really nothing <laughs> in a bottle. I would agree with you that glass bottle is better than can. Like, I don't think anyone would argue with that. But fountain soda, ugh, you're in a different class of beverages. That is the, the Golden State Warriors of the soda category. Splash Brothers. Yeah, <laughs> well done. There you go. Thank you. So, yeah, I guess we're hitting up Red Lobster for some Dugaritas. What's up? When you come to St. Louis, I need to do some research here. We need to get research on this. But the Red Lobster near my hometown used to be the number one money wise Red Lobster in the country. I think their gross profits was the highest of any Red Lobster in the entire country. Which is weird because you guys are the furthest from the ocean. So. But that's why we're <laughs> landlocked. We don't have many seafood options. And you trust the seafood options at a St. Louis Red Lobster. Mm. Listen, that, that's like the- eating gas station sushi, Michelle. I don't, know. I don't know about that. It was on the ill side, Steve, okay? It was on the ill <laughs> okay, side. Fair. So I don't, I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but we got to get our logistics right. Okay, well, speaking of soda... And speaking of sugar and vices, I have a proposition for you, my friend. Uh Uh-oh, okay. Have you heard of the challenge called 75 Hard? So I saw you tweet this out today, and I meant to Google it, but I didn't. I assume it's some sort of health craze, uh, since you are doing your chicken, rice, shelly, you know, workouts with your personal trainer now. I assume it's some sort of dietary thing. Somewhat. Lifestyle adjustment, whatever you want to call it. It is a challenge. So we were talking about this on my morning show, Character and Smallman, today. I know a bunch of people who have done this. So Andy Frisella of Supplement Superstore and First Form, he's a St. Louis guy. So a lot of people here are really big into the First Form life in St. Louis. 
and they've done this thing called 75 hard and it's a challenge for 75 days and as the name suggests it's hard it's not 75 moderate it's not 75 kind of tough it's 75 hard okay this is a hard challenge to do and if you're able to execute it people say that it's changed their life and it's changed their behavior patterns and it's changed their mental toughness and so of course i'm super intrigued by it so i said to somebody all right tell me what this entails you've piqued my interest tell me what this entails and we've decided to attempt this on our morning show to see how long we can do it and I want to bring you into the fold, Steve, because you're a member of our character and small moon 101 ESPN family, whether you like it or not. And here's what it is. Here's the checklist of things that you would have to do every single day for 75 days, all right? Okay. I'm nervous. Two 45-minute workouts, and one has to be outside. Cold, rain, whatever. One 45-minute workout a day, one can be inside. So like running outside, is that, that counts, I guess? You could run, you could walk, you could cycle. If you're playing golf, you could walk. There's a whole bunch of things that you, you could just do 45 minutes of push-ups and squats outside. It's just You need to be outside and get some fresh okay. air. I get that. Okay. That's a uh, lot of time to work out, but okay. But you could do one in the morning, one in the late afternoon or early evening. That's great. Number two, follow a diet. It doesn't have to be a specific diet. You could do vegetarian. You could do keto. You could do Whole30. You could do what I know one of my friends did, which is just no junk food, no processed food. I had another friend who said, should I eat this? It was like the should I eat this diet? You know what's good for you, what's bad for you type diet. But some people like more of a strict thing that they can follow. That's like the Saruti diet, everything in moderation. Yeah. You know it's bad for you. You know, you just, just sometimes you look away. Don't look away this time. <laughs> right. You're already doing the follow yeah. a diet, the Saruti diet. So you're locked in there. Number three, no alcohol or cheat meals for 75 days. Oh, get out of here with that garbage. See, that's what I don't understand. Okay, so I can't drink. That sucks. It's not even like I'm drinking that much, but I do like to have. I don't know, a drink every once in a while, 75 days. So what are we talking? That's mid-December because we're two starting two and a half months. Yeah. We're we're starting October 1st. You end December 15th, I believe. Oh, that's a bummer. I don't, uh, I get drinking is a terrible thing for you. And especially if you're, you should, if you're on a diet, I mean, people who have stopped drinking beer, just drop weight, like their NFL offensive lineman after they retired. But I, uh, <laughs> that would be a tough one for me. I don't know if I love that one. And then cheat meals. Like I need to eat Chick-fil-A once a month. I need to do that, Michelle. Like medically, I need Chick-fil-A once a month. Well, you can do grilled chicken. No, 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 no. No Polynesian sauce, Dave. <laughs> oh, geez. That's okay. Everything. This sounds terrible. Anything else? Oh, we've got three more for you, bud. Oh, three man. more things. Drink a gallon of water every day. Okay. Done. I could do that. Done. Easy. Read 10 pages of nonfiction every day. Audiobooks don't count. 10 pages. Easy. You could do that. No, yeah, that's no not problem. hard at all. Yeah. And then the last one, take a progress pic. And you don't have to post it anywhere. We don't have to be on IG on our stories in a swimsuit saying, check out my pecs on day 44. You just have to take it for yourself as an accountability thing so that you can watch your progress at the end. Every day. You're taking every a picture day, of yourself. 75 days. Oof. Okay. That's not hard. I mean, it's not, it's doable. I wouldn't want to do it, but it's doable. Okay. So that's it. You do those tasks for 75 days. I think the hardest two Michelle. for me are no alcohol and working out outside, especially if we're doing this through November. I'm a weather wuss. I'm going to be like, what? 50 degrees? Forget it. Yeah, but it. you're a runner. So you could just throw a hoodie on, throw some sweatpants on, yoga pants, whatever, and just run for 45 minutes and you'll be fine. You underestimate how much I complain about weather. Yeah, but just bundle up. That's okay. I'd rather run when it's a little bit cold out than when it's a little bit hot out. Of course you would, which is why I think you're built for this challenge, Steve, because you live for fall. No. You like to be outside in the fall. 
Let me tell you why I'm not built for this challenge. The alcohol thing actually isn't even that. Now that I'm thinking about it, if you told me I couldn't drink alcohol for 75 days, it wouldn't be ideal, but I wouldn't really be that mad about it. It's fine. I need a cheat meal. I do. I'm sorry. I cannot do a strict diet. I'm not a strict diet person. I don't mind if six days I'm eating really healthy, but I need that one day where I'm going to have Chick-fil-A or I'm going to go to Taco Bell. Typically, it's not even once a week. Typically, it's like once a month for me, but I medically, Michelle, when I say this, I'm not even being hyperbolic. I feel like my mood and just my overall happiness is better when I have a cheat meal. And if I went two and a half months without eating something like that, I don't think I would be a happy person to be around. I don't think you would enjoy doing the podcast with me. I'd be miserable. It'd be like you after a couple of days on a juice cleanse. Right. You'd have clarity, Steve. You would have mm. mental sharpness. But think about what you just said. You said once a month. So you're complaining about two trips to Chick-fil-A. And guess what? On day 76, you can go to Chick-fil-A breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. But here's my question. This is why I think all these diet and these things are kind of fraudulent. And this is just me being negative Steve again, but okay, cool. So I do this 75 days, right? I do the whole thing. I, I nail it. Say I look really good or whatever. I feel, I'm feeling really great. But then if I just go back to the way things were before, what does that prove? What is the progress there? There is no progress. I just do it for 75 days and that's it. I don't think it's a diet or a lifestyle. I think it's a challenge. People say that it's more of a mental deal than a physical deal, that it's about pushing yourself to be disciplined to do these things for 75 days. It's about creating a habit. So whether it's the exercise that sticks or the drinking of water, which is very important, or the reading, which is very important, or the progress, whatever it is out of that that you carry with you past that, and there's different phases of it afterwards that include like taking a cold shower and shit, which I am not doing. I'm just going to try to do the mm. 75, but it's more about being disciplined and pushing yourself mentally to complete something, to try to be the best you can be for 75 days. And here's what we're doing on the show. We're just seeing how long we can do it because a lot of people say, if you're on day 44, you do everything that day, except take a progress pick. You have to start over, wipe it clean. And Listen, if I get to day 44 and I don't take a picture and that's it, I'm not starting over. We made no, it 44 days. Congrats to me. We made it 44 days. And maybe I will be so motivated by day 44 that if I get to take a picture or I don't drink enough water, I would want to start over. But I'm just saying, I think it would be very fun from a pod perspective to see how far we can both go in this challenge. When are you starting it? October 1st. So you've got some time to marinate on this. We were talking about it on the show today, so it's fresh in my mind, but I wanted to kick it to you. You've got about 15 days to think about this. Let me think about it. Cause honestly, think Maddie, Maddie's going to want to, and I, by the way, I had somebody tweet me, I forget if it was a tweet or if it was a comment on the podcast or a review. Somebody told me that whenever I bring up my wife, I, I call her my wife, Maddie and not Maddie. And people are like, we know by now it's your, it's your wife. Like you don't have to say your wife. So sorry, just Maddie. I'll just call her Maddie from now on. Maddie yeah, would listen the day one Shelly's know who Maddie yeah, is. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Assign her as your wife. Every but there's time. just any, you know, any new listeners out there. I just want to make sure all the bases are covered, but yes, we do know who Maddie is. We all love Maddie. Uh, she's going to want to do this. So if you bring this up to her, she's probably going to make me do it. I already texted her last night. About <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. You know me too well. So it sounds like I'm doing it basically. No, she said that she doesn't know if she would have the time to work out twice a day. She thinks that will be the hardest it, work. That is very I mean, busy, obviously, as you know. Yeah, 90 minutes is a lot, especially because I'm not working out every day as it is now. So if you, if you go from not at all to twice a day, that's quite, the, uh, that's quite the shock of the system. I want to do it. I want to try it, but uh, give me some time to think about it. I like aspects of this, but I don't like the entire thing. But here's the deal, Steve. 
let's say you do it and you do it seven days. That's so awesome that you did all those things for seven days. I could do it for seven days. But you know what I mean? If you do it for 12 days, whatever it is, the length that you do it, I think it's awesome that you're doing any part of it for any length of time. But I think once you start it, you may be more motivated to continue. And think about it. If you get in like the 20s, you're like, I'm not stopping now. I've done this for 20 something days. Yeah, but then I drive by a Chick-fil-A and smell this beautiful spicy chicken sandwich and I'm going to go, do I have a strong enough will to say no to that? And it, I don't really have an addictive personality. So I think I can do something if I put my mind to it. But that's going to be a really big temptation for me to not do that. Food is very important to me. It's very important to me and Maddie. We try to eat healthy, but we also do have a lot of cheat days. I mean, we're both, I'm Italian, you're Italian. It's very difficult in Italian families to eat super healthy, uh, especially if you eat pasta a lot, which we don't. But we are both very much the, I'm okay with being a couple pounds heavier as long as my, you know, if I'm eating really good, I don't mind not having a six pack and eating some bread every once in a while. That's kind of how I live my life. But it's not about abs or a number on the scale, Steve. It's That's about true. You're right. your, it's about the discipline and the mental aspect of it and how proud you would be of yourself if you could do this for 75 days. <sighs> All right. Give me some time to think about it. I'll discuss it with Maddie. I'm sure she's going to want to do aspects of it. Maybe we'll try it. Maybe we'll try it. So I pitched this to my family and maybe this is, so listen, I know a lot of people listening to this because I tweeted it and I put it on my Instagram story and people are very into this. A lot of people that I know have done this and they are very, very dedicated to it. So they're going to say, this isn't really 75 hard, but I pitched it to my family and they were thinking that maybe they would do something that's similar, but it's like a point system. So, so workout one is a point, workout two is a point. If you do one outside, it's a point. The water is a point. All these things are a point. And every day you, whatever you do, that's your point system for the day. And we see who can get the most points in 75 days. So as like a family challenge. So maybe that might be easier for you where some days you get five, six points and then the next day you get one point. I'll just read a bunch of nonfiction and I'll, for every 10 pages I read, I get a point. So I'll just read a bunch of books no, and that'll be, that'll just, count. It's 10 pages per day. So you get one, one point, point if you read 10 per day. Yeah. So, All right. I'm open to it. Okay. I'm open to it. Let me marinate on it a little bit. I'm very skeptical, but I do like the idea. Okay. Uh, well, the only other thing I have for you, Steve, is you might be skeptical about 75 hard. I am not skeptical about Leicester City. I am oh, yes. in with the Foxes. <sighs> per your request, buddy, I got up early on Sunday morning, made myself a beautiful coffee, and I sat down and watched my Foxes get off to a great start to the EPL season. Three-nothing win, two goals from my man Jamie Vardy. Mm -hmm. I love that he capitalizes on those penalties with the PKs. You know what? If they're going to make the mistakes, you better make them pay. And per my research, the Foxes did not live up to expectations towards the end of last season. Bad finish. They're bad. It's really important for them to get this win, even from a lesser team, to get the season started right and get that momentum. And that's your EPL minute from Smallman. I love it. Yes, you're right. Leicester were in third place for most of the season, and they were going to be in a Champions League spot. And then when the restart happened, the bottom kind of fell out, and they ended up finishing fifth just behind United and Chelsea. So they kind of had – they actually had a really disappointing end of the season last year. Uh, so people were questioning whether or not that would in impact them going forward, whether or not they would, because they did, they did lose their left back, Ben Chilwell, who was really good. They brought in a guy, actually the guy they brought in, Castan, was the guy that scored their first goal. Listen, they're a fun team to watch. I'm happy they won. And I'm going to tell you this, Michelle, and I don't even say this, I'm not even saying this just to tell you to promote people to watch soccer, but my favorite part of every single week is waking up early on Saturday and Sunday mornings, making a nice cappuccino or latte and sitting down and maybe having a little bit of breakfast, maybe a waffle if you're feeling super special. Obviously, probably not when you're doing the, the, the 75 diet. 
Protein waffles, Steve. Protein waffles. Protein waffles. Sure, I'll, I'll mix that into it. That is my favorite part of the week. And I'm a night person. I don't even like waking up early, but waking up early, watching soccer, and having that time to relax, sit on your couch, like the day is just kind of starting, and you have a great, great cappuccino. There really is nothing better. You know, there's nothing better than that for me. And I do think, you know, knowing you, you would love that too. I loved it. It was very fun. I loved learning about my new squad. I had a lot of questions for you. I was glad you were up early on a Sunday morning. First question, why are we wearing maroon? I thought we were blue. You answered. You let me know it was the third kit, the alternate kit, which I did not know. I didn't know about all of the different kits that they had. I thought it was kind of your classic, hey, home whites, road blues or whatever. No. So in American sports, typically, especially in baseball, you know, they have the white at home and the gray or the color on the road, right? Football is the, the opposite. It would be the color you wear and then you wear a white on the road. In soccer, typically you wear your primary color at home, although some teams do wear white because white is their primary jersey. Like Real Madrid, their jerseys are always white. That's their home jersey. They're called those Blancos, right? Most teams, though, they wear like whatever color. Leicester City is blue, so they're going to wear blue jerseys. But their secondary kit, their away kit, is typically not, it doesn't necessarily have to be white. Theirs was maroon. I think last year they had a pink one, which is a beautiful kit. Actually, one of my favorite kits of the last couple of years. I had mentioned to you how Everton's three kits are blue, yellow, and green. So like, they're just all over the place. And that's the cool thing about soccer and buying the jersey is that you can buy a different jersey every year that's totally different. And to- like one year it could be really your style and you buy it. The next year it doesn't. But every single year, you're going to have a ton of options of things to wear, which is another thing that I love. Plus, soccer gear is by far the best gear of any sport. Better than, I mean, football gear kind of sucks. Who, I mean, people who wear football jerseys, it's a little bit weird, especially if you're an adult. Basketball jerseys, unless you're at like a barbecue, and even then, it's probably not that cool to wear a basketball jersey around, right? What else? Baseball jerseys is a tough thing to pull off really anywhere. Soccer jerseys, it's like a nice t-shirt. So you can kind of get around, and, and they're also very stylish. Uh, so soccer jerseys is by far the best gear of any sport. A couple other observations as I was watching, Steve. Nothing is better than watching announcers with British accents. They can say anything dismissive or disrespectful, and it sounds lovely. They also mispronounce a lot of words, though. Have you ever noticed that? For example, Everton's old manager used to be Roberto Martinez, and I almost just said the wrong way because they used to call him Roberto Martinez. That's not his name, guys. Yeah, I know you're British and you guys think you're cooler than everybody else, but that's that you're mispronouncing his name. Everyone's like, no, it sounds so cool. The British people have awesome accents. It's like, yeah, but you're just mispronouncing people's actual names. So they do that all the time. But I will say Arlo White, who is the main guy at NBC, main EPL guy, I mean, just beautiful pipes. The guy's an angel. I mean, voice of an angel, really. Yeah. But I'll tell you, Steve, that happens a lot in any sport. Alex Petrangelo is the Blues captain. He may be leaving, but that's a whole nother deal. But whenever the Blues were on NBC, they would call him Peter Angelo. Peter Angelo. It, there you go. It would drive people in St. Louis bananas. Michael's they would be like, it's Petrangelo. He's the captain. They're on their way to win a Stanley Cup. Like, call him by his correct name. But every time, Peter Angelo. Yeah. But I'm with you, though. British people, anytime you hear a British person talking, it sounds like it's more official. You know, that's how I would say, especially in soccer in the United States. And we've actually talked to Twelman about this, about how... There is a stigma where if you have an American person doing soccer analysis, sometimes maybe they don't get the notoriety of some of the British people because it doesn't sound right. But there is just something cool about hearing a British dude talk and call a game and just talk the way they do. And I don't think there's the elegance necessarily of the the American English language. The other guy I wanted to tell you about that I texted you about, number 15, Harvey Barnes, seemed to be in the mix a lot too, fan of his. Good young player. Yep, for sure. And Jamie Vardy is just a monster. He is 
always on the attack. One of the fastest players in the league, one of the best goal scorers in the league, one of the most genuinely dangerous people on the counterattack in all of world soccer. He is really good. The only thing with Jamie is he's getting up there in age. He's not a, a young guy anymore. He's in his early 30s, I believe. So typically strikers like him who depend on their pace I don't know how many elite years he has left. He sort of he sort of defined the odds already. So, but he's he's a likable guy just because he, as I mentioned to you before, he's never left Leicester. He stayed there. He's loyal. Um, came from ridiculously humble backgrounds. He's an easy guy to root for. He is, and I can't wait to watch him play 1 p.m. on Sunday versus Burnley. Burnley. So here's what you're going to learn too: is just like in other sports, different teams have different styles of play, right? And Burnley, I would argue, are the worst team to watch in the entire league, maybe in the world, because all they do is sit back and play defense. They don't care. Basically, you guys are going to have the ball for like 75 of the 90 minutes, and they're going to just sit back, probably play like 10 people back, and just play defense the entire time. And it kind of sucks. Yeah, but I would like to see my guys on the attack at least. Yeah, but it can be frustrating because there's not a lot of space. There's not. There's usually not a lot of action when Burnley plays. If Burnley plays, it's usually like a one nothing game. There's really not a lot of scoring. Uh, they're probably my least favorite team in the entire Premier League. I'll tell you this too. When I tweeted out, yay, my Foxes won nothing. Got a lot of people being like, really? Lester? I got Mike Gullick Jr. hit me up being like, hey, I'm a Chelsea fan. You picked picked wrong. And I was like, no, I picked right because I picked with my heart. Nothing against Chelsea fans. Uh, Love Gullick Jr. And I guess not nothing against Chelsea fans, but mostly nothing against Gullick Jr. But Chelsea sucks. They're just such a, (laughs) they've spent a ton of money. They have this rich Russian oligarch as an owner who buys them all the players they want. They're the spoiled brat. They were the frat kid who I said, you know, has a rich dad who basically buys them whatever they want. That's Chelsea. And, you know, nothing against their fans. Cause I know our guy, Gola Jr., obviously, and Mike Ryan, who with the Levitard show are Chelsea fans. There's a lot of Chelsea fans, especially recently because they've been good recently, but that's not a team I would have wanted you to root for. I'm much happier with you rooting for Leicester. Me too. Well, I'll come back with a soccer minute next week. I love it. I love it. All right. <laughs> we're just going to do a Leicester City foxes maybe we'll call it like from the foxhole or something from the fox i love it yes let's go <laughs> michelle smallman's observations from shelly the in the foxhole yep. shelly's in the fox oh no <laughs> shelly is not in the foxhole damn it i just want to move quickly past the shelly but let's not waste any more time we've been kind of filling until our main attraction here and it's chris long you know him he's a two-time super bowl champion the green light podcast which we listen to all the time but now that it's football season you know chris long is going to have top-notch nfl content for you see actually since we don't have an nfl team here in town i've been relying on the green light pod to kind of get me set for the nfl season they just had amazing nfl divisional previews listen to this guest lineup okay they did four episodes broke down the divisions they did the east division with Phil Sims, Peter Schrager, and Damian Woody. The North Division with Dan Orlovsky, Kay Adams, and Ryan Clark. The South Division with our girl Diana Rossini, Rondé Barber, and Tony Baselli. And the West Division with Mina Kimes and Steven Jackson, one of my favorite Rams players of all yeah. time. So I listened to those. They were outstanding. And then, of course, he had his Monday pod with Rob Ninkovich breaking down all of the week one NFL action. So he is a very busy guy, as you can tell. And we are so thrilled that he took a couple minutes out of his busy schedule to join us here on Small Talk this week. Chris, you're a gem for doing this. Thanks so much. And welcome to the podcast. Dude, for you two, anything. You guys are the best. Well, first question for you. As we mentioned, you have this amazing media career now, but you're pumping out at least three pods a week. How stressful is that for you to come up with this much content on a week-to-week basis? It's funny. It's almost like the football season was like a sigh of relief in the weirdest way because it gives you some structure. Okay, I know we want to get our Monday review out. And unfortunately, me and Ryan aren't doing it this year because of some sponsorship stuff. Uh, so I get to check his pod out. I'm doing mine on my own. 
Then we're recording on Thursday. And the nice thing is Thursday's easy. I got the gambling show with Stanford Steve. And then we do kind of like the look ahead to the weekend. And both those drop on Friday. I got Tuesday evening. I'm doing uh, Amazon uh, again this year. So, like, it's a packed schedule, but it's football. Like, the stressful part was during the pandemic when I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I'm like, let me do five pods this week. Let me scramble <laughs> to find five guests. What are we going to talk about? Ranking fruit, stuff like yes. this. That is the stuff that's hard. Football season's easy. The football stuff is nuts and bolts. So you don't have as much freedom to actually get into stuff. Whereas yeah. in the off season, it's harder, but it's also more fun because when else are you going to be able to rank fruit? Or when else, like we did a candy draft. Michelle had the idea of ranking states, which was, by the way, like the most controversial thing we've done in the history of the podcast. Oh, so I love that though. Stuff like that. that is great. Yeah. No, I think I agree with you, Saruti. It's like, uh, man... My passion is probably in the off season, uh, but the structure of the fall is really, it's nice. I mean, and we all, most football fans are really excited it's back and I'm blown away that they've come this far with kind of like, if you believe it, 3,600 negative tests coming into week one. Uh, I don't think if it was a cover up, I don't think they'd go perfect. I think they might go like nice. 34. 89 or something early conspiracy theory talk i like yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you're talking to me in st louis i'm yeah. buying every conspiracy yeah. theory you're selling yeah. right i know i know i see your face you're like are we gonna shit on the nfl here i'm like <laughs> oh my god what this I'm early game. i'm so excited i'm game <laughs> okay chris well since you can go anywhere here's what we're gonna do with you today we know your yeah. time is limited so we're just gonna dive right in so rudy and i have a couple categories for you and we are going to present them on a board jeopardy style and you get to pick where you want to go okay mm -hmm. so here's what we have Rapid fire Rams questions with me. Yep. Space and tunes with Saruti. Mm -hmm. As we mentioned, we did a fruit draft. You are going to be our fruit commissioner. So and there's a lot to talk about there. <laughs> so fruit draft commish. And then, of course, we have to ask you at least one token NFL question at the end. So those are your four categories on the board. Where yeah. would you like to go first? Let's start with space and tunes. Yes, <laughs> let's go. Okay, we're going to get the weird out of the way. So it's a little bit of a miscellaneous category. I've got five questions for you, all of which are just kind of weird things that I think you and I like or have in common. Um, yeah. All right, so we do this thing. I'll start with this is question number one. We do this thing on our pod called A Plus Content where we give out, you know, whether movies that we like or songs that we yeah. like or albums or whatever. I know, you know, you're a big music guy. And I want to know just right off the bat, what is your favorite album of the last couple of years? Of the last couple of years? Jeez, that's tough. Um, you can do last year if you want. I know you, I mean, you got a lot going on there. I'm mostly trying to educate our listeners to be like, here's what you should be listening to. Here's what cool people listen to. It's so funny. I mean, as of, if we're talking about music lately, obviously I like the Sturgill album yes. uh, that came out recently, Sound and Fury. Um, Controversial album though. Was it in the, in like the country community? Or? Yeah. Our, our boy, Will Kane, not a fan, big Sturgill fan, but didn't like that album. Well, because I think Will Kane possibly and a lot of country uh, music fans are confused at the fact that I don't think that Sturgill Simpson cares to fit into the <laughs> newer country music box, which is a really good thing. There's yeah. not any new country that I really like much, uh, although I like Tyler and and uh, Stapleton is is one of the goats to me, yeah. and I'm really excited about his new stuff. It looks darker. I guess I, I'm a big War on Drugs fan uh, out of Philly. They've put out a lot of good music in the last decade, which is hard to come by, uh, in my opinion. It's really hard to find a band that's moderately successful that puts out good music. Obviously, My Morning Jacket's up there for me as well. Um, but yeah, if it was something new, you, I go down rabbit holes, Saruti. Are me you too. like that? Are you what rabbit hole are you on right now? Uh, 
it's hard to say like i jump around genres a lot so i've been in this weird country kick. i grew up not liking country at all and then all of a sudden the last couple of years i've been in this huge country kick like i love the Marin morris and casey musgraves albums i didn't like sergio simpson until someone was like you need to listen to him and i actually like right. his new album probably the best yeah. So I don't know. It depends on what kind of mood I'm in. But I found it's harder for me to like new bands as opposed to when I was younger, where I was discovering all this music and I liked everything. And for whatever reason, I don't know if you go through the same thing, but it's harder for me to find new bands that I get as pumped about as I was like 10 years ago. I go backwards, man. Like I'm always going backwards. Like I'm on a real like Link Ray kick right now. And I'm on a Lee Hazelwood kick, mm-hmm. which is all like, they're all derivatives for me. Like from seeing the Ken Burns uh, country music doc, which was amazing. And we got to have Ken on the show. And so like I dove in and there were artists that I love from back then. If I like country, it's old stuff. Highwaymen, you know, Chris, Willie, Johnny, Waylon. My son's name is Waylon. So I love old country. And that genre just goes back so far. Marty Robbins, I'm on a big kick on right now. And I was on like a little reggae kick with the Congos lately. And then a big Neil Young, like Neil Young took over my early September, like just, and I've always loved Neil, but you know, for three weeks straight, I just listened to only Neil Young. And there's not many artists that you love that you can go back to for like damn near a month straight Mm -hmm. and not listen to anything else. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Uh, All right. Question number two here for you. Have you seen Tenet? Will you go see it in the theaters if you haven't and rank your top three Christopher Nolan movies? Ooh, you know, I'm a real, I'm like a pop culture dummy when it comes to the new stuff. Somebody else, I was on uh, JJ and Tommy's oh, yeah. pod recently. Old man, talking about, They were talking about Tenet after they made fun of me because I was confused which Batman movie Heinz Ward fell in the, the field. Oh, and, yeah, like, dude. Uh, Dark Knight really like, Oh, dude, that's not dark. Yeah, like, I'm like, I don't really watch superhero movies. I have no idea what Tenet is. But if we're looking at Christopher Nolan movies, and it's funny, we did a, a best final five minute in movies or TV draft. You know how they have the old yep. man in the three pod. And JJ picked all Christopher Nolan movies. So <laughs> I saw that. That's I'm pretty, <laughs> it, you asked if he was on the payroll. Interstellar is one of my all-time favorites. That's my uh, number one. Yeah, Dunkirk is a masterpiece. I would say, hmm, I, would, I don't want to leave the prestige out. Uh, those Great are movie. probably Underrated. three that, that are my favorites, and I don't want to forget anything. Did he do Shutter Island as well as Inception? He did not, no. I, that, was, I, uh, that was Leo, but not a Nolan film. I like Shutter Island better than Inception. I don't know if that's a hot Whoa, take. Whoa, that is a hot take. Interesting. It is a yeah. good movie. I, I do think that it actually holds up really well, but Inception is classic, dude. Come on. Yeah, it is, cla- <laughs> it is classic, but I just Shutter Island was, was the dark horse that, it may, that year. Maybe I'm being a contrarian, but they came out like the same time, and they were the same kind of like ambiguous mindfuck type movies. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Let me do three. I'll throw The Dark Knight in there. That's the one superhero movie I really like. Uh, so that's kind of four. Yeah, perfect. Uh, all right. Speaking of extraterrestrial stuff, talking about Interstellar here. I'm a big space guy. I'm, I listen to random space podcasts, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, random stuff, talking about wormholes, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think you are too. Did you yeah. see the latest alien news about Venus, the extraterrestrial Venus. stuff? And On a scale of one to ten, how hyped are you about alien news? <laughs> I'm not that hyped about alien news because I know they exist and yes. they could easily like they haven't wanted to like if I was an alien I wouldn't want to come down here right now no. like there's just they're like uh we don't even need to colonize these motherfuckers like there's just <laughs> nothing there's there's nothing they're interested they're killing the planet they can't get along like if aliens can get to earth has always been my um my theory is that if aliens can get to earth 
they would have already killed us. Like if we've spotted UFOs for 50 years, there's nothing to fear because like, what do they want with us? They could probably get to any other Earth-like planet, and they're like, "I'm good on that Earth-like planet." Like, you know what I mean? If, if they have the yeah, if they have the capability to like log onto Twitter, they're like, "This place is a disaster." <laughs> so I'm yeah, not they, worried about aliens. I'd love to meet one one day, but they're probably they mean us no harm. No harm. It's become white noise at this point. Like, every other week, I feel like there's some new study that says that they found something, or like there's those shows Finding Bigfoot on whatever channel. It's like if they would have found Bigfoot by now, we wouldn't have any more Finding Bigfoot shows, right? Exactly. Like, at some point, like it just gets old. <laughs> yeah, but they keep making money. I heard some comedian had a bit on this that I really liked, and it was like, uh, it's just easy to do a Finding Bigfoot show. You just walk around in the woods <laughs> for a while, and then you're like, oh, I think I heard something, and that's it. You don't actually have to find Bigfoot. Yeah. No Bigfoot show is ever, and same thing with Ancient Aliens. I'm a big fan. Same, uh, and, dude, same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. But but I don't think they're coming anytime soon to to like make contact with us. No. Well, speaking of walking around in the woods by yourself, I know you like alone as well on the History Channel. How long would you last before you have to call up the beacon and tell people to rescue you? And what would be your like your preferred terrain if you're in the middle of nowhere trying to survive? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, we had Jordan Jonas and Wania on from the last season it was the first one i'd ever seen and they lasted a couple months for people listening like it's insane just because i like to hang out outside doesn't mean i'm a survivalist and i think <laughs> you know like there's a difference between getting stoned or drunk outside or hunting you know every once in a while or camping or trekking and like getting dropped in you know the tundra <laughs> and and surviving i think i'd last maybe Two days, you know, depending on, like, I couldn't do the Arctic. If it was Virginia, like out here, give me a week, maybe. I mean, like, I figure I'd boil my water. I'd, you know, Easy try berries. to figure out how to kill a squirrel. <laughs> but I'm not lasting more than a week, probably, no. My buddies and I tried that in high school. This is a true story. Uh, we were like, all right, we're just gonna go to the woods in our local town and see how long we could last. And uh, I think <laughs> like it was right like- the interstate. Seriously, like there was a couple, there was a highway like right near us. Um, started a fire, <laughs> all that stuff. Decided we wanted to catch something. Obviously didn't catch anything. Ate all the cliff bars. And by that time, eight hours had passed and we all just went home. No, but you can't bring any cliff bars if you want to go true alone style. You got to like really go in the woods. Like uh, Naked and Afraid was something that my former teammate, Michael Bennett, used to pitch me. Hey, man, I'm going to call my people. Like, let's get on Naked and Afraid. I was like, dude, are you asking to hang out naked with me in the woods? Like, and not only that, like Michael Bennett of all people, I love Michael Bennett, but I would have probably, I probably would have killed him by day five. Like, we would have just, yeah. all we did half the time, we'd have so much fun and then we'd argue about stuff. And hungry, alone, that brings out the worst in you. For sure, for sure. All right, let's yeah. move this. I got one more here for you because I don't want to move this thing along. This was a question that we asked Will Kane when he was on. Um, it was the three people that you would most want to go get dinner with, talk about life with, right? Dinner party style. I'm going to tweak it a bit for you. Give me the three people that you want to pop edibles with and just hang out with. Historically, it could be alive or dead. Oh, my God. Steve Carell. <laughs> um, Muddy Waters. <laughs> and uh, maybe like... Well, I mean, Willie Nelson would be an ultimate for, for me. Sure. But the funny thing about Willie Nelson, they say he's a little more thorny than you, than you think. Like, Willie's guarded, which is great. I'm the same way with people I don't know. But, yeah, maybe a third, Danny McBride. Oh, great call. That is a great call. Yeah. Guys that I think would all probably get along, too. That is kind of important in that. Yeah, it'd be a power. You don't want to get high with people that you don't particularly like. <laughs> that you or that, fight with. Or that you're suspicious of, like, not liking you. So... There's certainly people I'd love to hang out with, but I'd be nervous to interview or eat an edible 
uh, with. Yeah, that's the no judgment zone there. I like yeah. that. If you did that, I would pay the pay-per-view For sure. to watch that. <laughs> like, name the price on that one. We're good to go. For real. Yeah. It's, Speaking of content. It's hard. It's hard. And, and it's hard to interview high. Like I've done that accidentally a few times and it makes it really hard. <laughs> I hate my voice anyways, believe it or not. Like, I think uh, we all do. Yeah. Okay, so we have Space and Tunes with Saruti off the board, Chris. We have Rapid Fire Rams questions, Fruit Draft Commissioner, or one token NFL question left. Let's do Rams questions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Put some thought into this one, buddy. Nice. All right, Chris. Do you remember what each of the four pillars stands for in the Steve Spagnolo four-pillar system? I'm sure accountability is in there. <laughs> Toughness. No, nope and nope. I mean, listen, I am psyched about Steve getting another shot and the run he went on last year, but I do not remember the four (laughs) pillars. And me and Steve still talk. I'm not a big fan of anything where in football buildings they put up signs and there's like acronyms. That's never won a game. So I don't remember the four pillars. They are faith, character, core values, and team first. What about playmaking ability? (laughs) About talent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, shit. I, I know a lot of guys on those teams that had all four, That's you know, true. and we only ended up with like two wins. So yeah. it's tough. I remember. NFL's I tough. remember. I just remember yeah. talking a lot about the four pillar system. And I thought, I wonder if any players even remember what that was about. <laughs> Listen, I still have, um, I still have a DCF backpack. It's like a little satchel from 2009 that I've never worn. It still has a tag on it, but it's got, it's the feed the flame. That was another Spagnolo thing. Mm. And uh, it's got a flame on the back with a DCF, which is demand, compete, finish. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. Uh, this is a big so, one. Yeah, that was one that stuck around in my head. So the F you didn't really get around to a lot. No, we, don't. We, we, <laughs> we, we, we did not finish. No. <laughs> They're funny jokes now. Yeah, you won two Super Bowls. It's a blast. Yeah, 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 it's a blast. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of Fs, Chris, tell me one time you remember being on the field as a St. Louis Ram and thinking, F this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, in the fourth quarter, like a preseason game, coming off an injury. When I got IR'd the first time um, in the Vikings game to start 15, you know what really pissed me off, actually, and I'm really pissed off about this this week, and I love all those guys. I love Jeff Fisher. I love the trainers. There's no fucking way I should have played that year, and it ruined my time in St. Louis, and it's the same injury Von Miller has this year that everybody's like you don't come back from that you know you're definitely going to be out three months and this that and the third and I look back and I'm like god damn I came back in nine weeks and they were just looking at me like well can you go on a team that had no aspirations of being competitive and and that pissed me off I mean that really still kind of irks me luckily I went and won some Super Bowls but it meant a lot to me to be a part of that organization it meant a lot to not put out bad tape and then the next year being behind the eight ball, I can remember playing in the fourth preseason game. Like, with everything I've done here, you're putting me out there in the fourth preseason game like you've never seen me play before because of one year where I put bad tape out, and that was y'all's fault. That pissed me off. As it should. Yeah. Well, let's spin it positively. What is your proudest moment as a St. Louis Ram? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you had to think about that one. I think just the love that I get in St. Louis I'm proud of. I don't take that lightly. I don't take that relationship lightly because we were so bad. And I know I played some good ball at times, but like, I know I was the guy for a while, but there was a year and a half where I was a bust, right? So like, you know, people around St. Louis like, what the fuck's going on with this kid and that, this, that, and third, but they kept supporting me. And then like the second half of my second year, when I went from, you know, not being able to get home to having five sacks the second half of that year to then going 40 in four years, like, 
those fans always stuck with me. So when I was in my prime in St. Louis, I appreciated them even more. And then coming out of it, just probably the fact that we've stayed present in that city. So like not even on the field so much, there were moments, you know, there were thrilling wins, but most of those I didn't get to taste until I was kind of washed in St. Louis, you know, like we didn't beat Seattle or San Francisco on the road until my seventh and eighth years. And I was injured or about to get cut and the team was about to move. And so like, uh, for me, there were little moments like the D-line I was very proud of. We had such a great D-line, and we're still very tight. All these D-lines that people talk about, San Francisco, Washington, they're great. We were better. I really believe that. Black Thunder, White Lightning, right? Well, it was more about the Black Thunder than the White Lightning. Uh, <laughs> I mean, nobody – look around in these teams that have these, like, great D-lines. You had Robert Quinn had 19, and if I had eight and a half the same year he had 19, it was like Chris had a down year a little bit. And we had Kendall Langford, we had Michael Brockers, we had Aaron Donald, William Hayes, Eugene Sims, Nick Fairley for a second. If we all were healthy at the same time, forget about it. We had a great group. You did. I'm surprised your answer wasn't when you scored a touchdown versus the Colts. It's funny. I never cared about touchdowns. Like, I had to take in a sack over a touchdown almost any time unless it helped win the game. Like, personally, as a rusher, you just want to get home. Yeah, Rob had a great rush. I just picked the ball up and ran straight. (laughs) Okay, next one. And you're probably the only person that we could ask this question to, and you may be able to get to the bottom of this. Can you tell us why Sam Bradford's sleeves were so big on his jersey? Maybe it's because he just he's like a lanky dude, you know? Like, I don't know if there's something to that. If I was a quarterback, I would wear those sleeves. <laughs> I think that those sleeves are really cool. Like, I think they're kind of throwback. And, um, and honestly, like, I like to be able to move my arms. Uh, I couldn't imagine trying to throw with the tight uniforms I got. But Sammy Sleeves is a great nickname. It is. I remember standing next to him and being like, he is such a big guy. Why yeah. does the jersey look so yeah. big on him? Yeah, it was uh, – yeah, that's old school. Philip Rivers still does it, right? And there's a few yeah. still left in the league. But it's just kind of it's, – it's going the way of the dinosaur. I think it's a shame. That's a really throwback, like single bar face mask, loose sleeves. I miss that. Very cool. Okay, last one. Give me your best I had beers with Jeff Fisher and this happened story. I've never been like drunk, drunk with fish. Like I've had a few with fish, but I've never been drunk with fish. I, uh, I've been drunk with Mike Waffle and Dave McGinnis. We went to a Kenny Chesney concert and just got ripped. But That's about right. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Fisher brought me and William Hayes to a Jimmy Buffett concert in St. Louis at, uh, what was the place in our city? The uh, Riverport? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and seeing... William Hayes and there was another teammate that had presumably never been to a Jimmy Buffett concert (laughs) their eyes as they scanned the homogenous like nature of all these 60 year old dudes in Hawaiian shirts like just freaking out it was a sight to behold I mean and Jeff Fisher at a at a Jimmy Buffett concert is peak Jeff Fisher I went to a Jimmy Buffett concert once and was not prepared for how lit the parrot heads get oh they get lit so the pregame was better than any athletic pregame I've ever been to in my entire life. Oh, it's so good. And, and uh, the, the shame of it was we had practice the next day, so I only had a couple. But, like, I used to drunk dial. Me and Danny, Danny Amendola used to drunk dial um, Greg Williams on the bus at Bonnaroo at 4 a.m. <laughs> and leave him eight to ten minutes worth of messages. I hope they're still out there. Also, me and Danny – because Danny used to play for Mike Leach. We used to drunk down Mike Leach and talk to him for a solid hour on the phone. Mike Leach would not get off the phone. 
And I think oh, on the other imagine. end, he might have been feeling good too. So Mike Leach, I'm surprised you didn't put him on the edible list because he seems like he'd be right up there. He would, but I don't agree with some of his stances. <laughs> oh, that's he fair. Might okay. fuck, he might <laughs> blow my high. Like everything about Mike Leach, I'm like, damn, you're just so close to perfect. Oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. You're kind of you're kind of a nut job. Those yeah. are great. Okay. Fruit draft commish or one token NFL question. Let's leave the let's save the best for last. Let's get a token NFL question going. Well, since it's token, we've got to ask you who's going to win the divorce between Brady and Bill, Bill Belichick. I think it's possible they both win. I was thinking about this this morning. I think a lot of times we assign motivations for players doing things, and we know that this player wants to do this because he wants to do, you know, he wants to do X because he wants to accomplish Y. We don't know really what Tom wants to accomplish in leaving New England. I think he wanted to feel more appreciated. I'm sure he wanted to have more fun. It's not that, like, New England's no fun, but, like, Tampa's way different. Your coach, it's hoodie to beret. It's like it's Bill to players coach. It's cold weather to warm weather. It's more autonomy down there. I don't know that like Tom needs to win a Super Bowl to feel like this was a success. I think there's something that he's after in going down there. And I don't know how much longer he wants to play. And on the other hand, I think that Bill, he's giddy about an opportunity, I think, to finally prove that, hey, I'm not saying I'm the reason. But, like, look what I'm doing with this group. Because that team is not a good team. Like, they're not like a, a Super Bowl run team. I think they could slide in the playoffs because he's that good. Uh, and I know Cam at this age is a little bit more limited. I think that they could both come out of this season and be really happy with their new lives and their new partners. And also, Rob Ninkovich was on my pod yesterday and had a great take. I think that Bill's a master psychologist where you see him praising Cam profusely right now it's not necessarily because he doesn't like Tom or he's trying to stick it to Tom. He just knows the best way to get something out of Cam is to have him happy and to have him feeling good. He doesn't want to nit nitpick Cam, but that's exactly what Tom Brady runs on is being nitpicked and being, you know, held to a high standard. And that's not a, a narrative on either quarterback. And certain players just respond different to different motivations. So um, I think even Bruce Arians calling out Tom isn't a big deal. Tom can handle that. If you did it to Cam and a lot of other players, maybe it wouldn't go so well. So I think they could both win, and you never know what Tom's really after down there. And that's oftentimes the hardest part of the job is figuring out how to manage different personalities to maximize their production from that standpoint. Exactly, and setting a standard. I mean, you know, like how – one of the things you learn in an NFL locker room is not – you can't have the same rules for everybody. You can build a culture – but, like, if Spags was building a culture and if I had a crit criticism of Spags in St. Louis, and I'm sure he had criticisms of me and we're boys, but, like, you can stick to your culture vision, your culture architect vision that you thought up in the offseason, but if you don't make a concession for a couple playmakers or guys that might be, like, baggage guys here and there and the right balance of veteran leadership with those guys, with the young core – you can pull your culture off, but there's going to be some inconsistencies. And as a player, you can't look around the room and go, well, this guy has a different set of rules than I do. Like, do you think that Jamal Adams, if he was in Seattle and snuck a girl into the hotel like that undrafted kid did and dressed her up like a Seahawk would be gone? No. He was the perfect guy to do that because you have an opportunity now to make an example out of that guy. So Everybody's different, and the way you motivate each player is way different. And that's the hardest thing about being a head coach, in my opinion. 
it's like watching the last dance when Dennis Rodman said, Hey, I'm going to bounce, go to Vegas for a few days. And that's just what it's going to be. Yeah. And Phil Jackson allows that and doesn't make a big deal about it. He protects him in that way. He knows that he needs to do that to free his mind, to be able to play. And he knows that when he comes back, he's going to give him 110%. That's a great point. And I, I think you could only do that with a Michael in the locker room with mm -hmm. a strong personality, like a Phil, like, and that's the balance. If you did that on a team that was dysfunctional, that's just more dysfunction. You know, but those personalities and the different ways people go about things like teams are organisms, man, like each one's different. And like, it's about finding a balance. I really believe that. And New England does it one way. Philly does it another way. And like, there's just different ways to do it. And, um, and I, I think the great coaches, people think Bill's so stubborn. Bill is not that stubborn. He's really adaptive. They are very adaptive up there. Patriot way is actually being able to shape shift and be a different team every week, whatever it takes. And this year, I think he looked at it and said, we're going to lean into this Cam Newton shit, and I'm going to show you how versatile I am. And on the other side, it's like, good luck down there, Tom. A lot of shiny objects, but no program in place. You mentioned Belichick's change, too. Brady leaves, and all of a sudden, he's doing commercials now. So, I mean, it's <laughs> right, dude. Subway. I know. Who would have thought? We I are love eating it. fresh, man. We are eating really fresh up in New England. <laughs> I know. I know. I would have thought of him as more of like a Liberty Mutual guy. <laughs> he like definitely, a, yeah. I would have thought of him as like a Landshire sandwich from the gas station type guy. <laughs> I don't even, or like, uh, he can't do, he can't do uh, Wawa because that's more of a Philly staple. That would be sacrilege. But yeah, I could see that like a gas station sandwich. <laughs> that's good. Not even a gas station burrito, which is obviously the elite pick if you're yeah, going gas elite. station food. He's like, yeah. give me the prepackaged sandwich. I don't want to waste time here. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think I could see that as well. I, maybe he'll parlay this into the next uh, ad campaign and the next one i'd be very entertained so one. would i chris we know you're short on time so we're going to get to this so rudy and i did a fruit draft last week you ranked fruits on your podcast so we thought the only person that we could have be our fruit draft commissioner yeah. is chris long you're kind of our fruit expert we did a candy draft as Saruti mentioned michael jr was our candy commissioner okay <laughs> and he was great. he was very into it so He's no, very pressure, into it. no pressure i got opinions on fruit but also i want to shout out dave damashek because he's like the fruit godfather in my opinion i mean also the godfather of just listing shit so <laughs> Me and him had a heated discussion yesterday about peaches, so let's get it going. Oh, okay. Oh, well, let's yeah. get it going. Okay, so we know you wear many hats. You are a Super Bowl champion, media mogul, father and husband, philanthropist. We need you to rip all those off. Put your commissioner hat on. Put your white wig on. Yeah. Give us a, give us a judgment here because you have both squads. You have my squad of fruit and Saruti's. As you're surveying this, who do you think is the winner? Or any observations that you have on our Yeah, page. let's go through this real quick. I mean, blood orange, you tell me, is that like, uh, how, how different does that taste than an orange? I'm going to answer your question with a question. You've obviously never had a blood orange, right? I mean, I think I probably did, but maybe that says it all, that like it wasn't maybe earth shattering for me. But I respect it. It is kind of it a hipster pick. It, it will change your life. We'll put it that way. Okay. You, you also got oranges as well, like regular oranges. You, she basically got the group of oranges, but she just chose blood orange as the main one. So the the person out of you two that, that crossed over mostly with me, I would say, listen, I think Saruti won. Yes. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I think Saruti won, but of course, this is all very subjective. And I respect everybody's opinion on, on fruits. I... Even though you have Apple too, which the whole reason I, I ranked these things was because I think apples are overrated. 
then I had a frozen, not a frozen, a refrigerated gala apple and it changed things for me. So that's the thing with apples though, is that there's actually a lot of apples that are trash, period. Trash. But there's, there's, but there's so a, many trash, yeah. But there's a couple, I would say Yellow Delicious, uh, Gala apples, as you mentioned. Um, I love a good sour green apple. Those are elite apples. But Sour green so, apple, eh? Yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. So I'm saying the top tier apples, they carry the rest of the shitty apples. Yes, they do. I mean, like I would like, and we just talking about country music in 2020, some of the best and the brightest musicians are under that umbrella, but there's so much to sift through country is like apples you know like the best <laughs> the best of the best like a gala apple out of the fridge individually is one of the best things you can have but there's so much garbage with apples oh. and i also think they they caught the wrath of god on my pod because they're so overrated i love uh smallman's best pick for me is probably i really respect uh watermelon being that high that's my number oh. one uh and also i dock you because you omitted coconut which was my number two um and also how are you guys rating this as flavoring fruits everything alcohol everything. you get you know, whatever alcohol juice uh yeah. just straight up eating flavoring components and candy all of the above sorority how, how do you say the ninth fruit on your oh, list here acai you're real proud here because <laughs> like, i got some health in there dude yeah but for years you're like a kai like totally it's one of those words you're afraid to say and you're at like a juice store and there's 15 people behind you and you're like a kai yeah you don't want to sound like the idiot yeah you don't want to sound like a moron give me the number seven yeah, give me the number seven yeah. to hold the A word. Let me ask you this, Chris. <laughs> I went pineapple with the number one overall pick. I think landslide is my only top tier fruit. I think so, it's flavoring. It's tropical. puts you in a good place. You put it in alcohol. It's good. Yep. It, it's all around great. Any qualms with that? I don't really – it made my top ten. It came in at ten because, I don't know, maybe I snubbed it a little bit. I think it's a, it's a lovely fruit. Mango and peach – are just two superstars here and i'm seeing that oh my god michelle what did you not have mango or peach in your top 10 he snagged them from me my biggest mess up was that i went cherry thinking that steve would not take peach there because he's really picky with his fruit so this was a strategy for me yeah and yeah yeah i like rainier that your cherries oh yeah, they're so good so good you get a little bowl of those get a book sit yeah. outside your day yeah. is made Happy yeah for, for me I, I skipped the book and i just scrolled through instagram or some point you know like some <laughs> stupid shit like that but yep. like kudos to you reading books and i i just i'm like um <laughs> i uh when it, Jimmy Trana came on my pod and we got into this thing over cherries because he, he ranked maraschino cherry as like an individual fruit, <laughs> which is not even a fruit, which I think is a cheat code. But if maraschino cherry is a cherry, it's got to be in the top five at least. I used to just order drinks over and over and eat the cherries. It's candy. That's what it is. I wouldn't even consider it. It's, it's candy fruit. Um, are you not worried about like the germs on maraschino cherries? Cause they say lemons and limes are the dirtiest thing at restaurants. Probably. Although you bring up limes actually, cause I, I took lime fifth and you were kind of surprised by that. I look at lime, I go, that's one of the most versatile fruits. If we're like Bill Belichick would draft that guy in the first round. Yeah, sure. You can do everything, but eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's my problem with like, if I can't eat a, a fruit, like a lemon, 11 at 10. I, I kind of respect it because on the, but lime, Saruti at five is aggressive. Dude, lemonade, eat- better than lemonade. Lemonade, uh, I would say a good vodka soda lime is, is an elite drink. Uh, so I, I'm looking more of the flavor component of lime, lime in a beer, throw that in a Corona. It's yeah, just yeah, versatile. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's got to be to end up with no eating functionality. Like 
Great fruit. I really respect that. A nice grapefruit cut in half with salt with oh, a spoon. Delicious. Yep. It's delicious. Breakfast action. Uh, breakfast action for sure. <laughs> and then strawberry. I just have, I have no respect for that. Hate it too, Michelle. I think strawberry is one of the most overrated fruits. Dude, so stra- Strawberry flavoring stuff is just, and strawberries have just become the edible arrangement fruit that they douse in chocolate. Doesn't even taste that good. Very inconsistent in my humble opinion. You're not doing it right, dude. I'm telling you. Strawberries, nature's candy. It's your candy's favorite candy. It brings that sweetness, but also the health component. I told Saruti, we're talking strawberry shortcake. You got to mix it up with a little balsamic drizzle, get that whipped cream, maybe some creme fraiche in there. I can respect the strawberry shortcake, but there's nothing better than peach cobbler with vanilla ice cream. (laughs) And that leads me to my question for y'all. When you consider peaches here, and I see that you just didn't even consider them. I mean, (laughs) Michelle, I I wonder if you guys are going to give white peaches the respect they deserve. I like all peaches. I don't discriminate against peaches, but but for me, I actually like them under. I like them firm. I like there to be a crunch to my peach. I don't want them mushy and whatever at all. Like I want my peach to feel like an apple, and I know I'm in the minority on that. You probably are in the minority. I like it somewhere in the middle. I don't like it. I don't like. the Ashley Schaefer juice, you know, down yeah, my well. chin. Uh, shout out <laughs> to Eastbound and Down, Danny McBride again. The outtakes are brilliant. But I love a nice white peach. It's less acidic. It's consistent. And it's like sweet, but it's not overwhelming. And that's why I love peach, man. I mean, peach for me, and I see both of you guys left off pear. No melon either. No melons at all for either of us. Yeah, yeah, I guess watermelon counts, but yeah, like I'm not a big um, expensive fruit plate at a hotel guy. That's where you get the cantaloupe and the green one too, the honeydew. Pass. Uh, my last question for you, actually, Chris, is Michelle did not let me draft when she vetoed one of my picks. I wanted mm. to draft avocado. I was told I could not do that. Technically yeah. a fruit, and I felt like it screwed up my draft because if you throw avocado in there, I think I went in a landslide. I think avocado is almost like a cheat code, man. It's like because it's such a – a health, you know, cheat code in the fruit kingdom. But it also, I think most people don't think of it as like you're, you're I don't know why people don't think of it this way. Tomato is another one. That's what I said. Yeah. No tomato, no avocado. They're like cheats because like tomato would be damn near number one. Like I love a nice uh, like yellow tomato out of the oh, fridge yeah. cut up with some, you know, salt. And then all the different colors, green tomatoes, fried green tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Italian food is entirely predicated. It's not just tomatoes. I get it. Like they don't eat like at Maggiano's. Shout out to Maggiano's <laughs> on uh, what, what uh, Brentwood Boulevard there. Good memory. Uh, is, that still, is that still there? It is. Very good memory. I know they don't eat like at Maggiano's in, in Italy. It's a pescatarian diet and all that stuff. But tomatoes would be a big cheat code as well. I got to say... I respect your decisions, but you're right. I shouldn't win because I let peaches slip through my fingers. It's the Tom Brady of picks. It's the Tom Brady in the sixth round. And I said to Saruti, I love peaches. It's the best emoji. I like my peaches like I like my guys. A little sweet with some fur, with some fuzz on you. A little doughy, a little soft. Peaches are made for me, and I let it slip through my fingers, so I deserve the L here. You're right. No, but you know what? Again, it's all subjective, and I respect the process. I'm the voter, but... I do. Last gripe, you guys left plums out. Oh, you guys hmm. have an opinion on plums either way? Hate them, actually. Sorry. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> don't eat a lime. Weird, Saruti. juicy ones. I'll, I'd rather bite a lime than bite into a peach. I'm telling you now. I would do it. I'll do it on the pod. I'll do it next pod. 
You okay? I challenge you if you can eat three peach. I don't know what I or I don't know what I'd have to do on my end, but if you can eat three limes, I'll do something. I don't know. I'm just I'd be shocked. I think you guys have to eat a full piece of a lemon for Michelle. Okay. And I think that Saruti has to eat like the equivalent in in limes to you know justify them being on your list. I'll just do a shot of tequila and take a bite out of lime. It's the done and done, right? There you go. That's so that, that makes it easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, the point. You can't yeah. do that. You gotta sure. you gotta dice it up and eat yeah. it. Yep, for sure. Okay, that is going to be the challenge for next week, the Chris Long Lime Challenge. Maybe we can get it going viral on Twitter, yep. the Chris Long Lime Challenge. I hate mayonnaise so much that I'll, like, if you, like, I despise mayonnaise. If you eat a full lemon on your pod, I will eat some mayonnaise right. just out of the deal. mayonnaise thing. Deal. Okay? That's a 100% deal. And I'm going to okay. tell you how you should eat your mayonnaise because this is my summer go-to. <sighs> get some sliced fresh bread, okay, some great bread, toast it. Slice up your tomatoes, little mayo on the bread, fresh tomato, mold and sea salt, a little bit of white vinegar, boom. Ah, what is happening right now? <laughs> That's like dressing up a shot of 151. Just take it <laughs> and just go to the bathroom and vomit. Yep. I, I like uh, mayonnaise. I'm just going to have to just grin and bear it. If you guys fulfill your side of it, I'll do mayonnaise on, on the pod. Ugh. Deal and deal. Oh. Deal and deal. Well, now that we've made you want to vomit, it's probably a good time to let you go. <laughs> Y'all are the best, man. I appreciate it. I'm down to talk about stupid lists anytime. They're awesome. never stupid. Well, Thanks, you are dude. the best. We appreciate the time. All right, guys. Take it easy. Right, All right, Saruti. As I said to Chris Long, I accept defeat. It's only fair, though. I did beat you in the candy draft. I did beat you in the state draft. Yeah, well. I'm going to continue to say I beat you in the state draft until we have someone tell me I didn't. I was going to say, we don't have an official person to tell you that yet. So I don't know. Right now, it's 1-1 one, one in my book. And the gross word draft, we're just going to nah, ca yeah. cast that to the side. You know, it's not one of our best, but we did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm just excited about eating a lime. I'm going to do that. We are 100% going to do this challenge. Chris is going to eat some mayonnaise in whatever form he wants to. Do you know that on the Will Cain show, I did eat a spoonful of mayonnaise once and basically puked on the air. Why did you have to eat mayonnaise? Give me the context surrounding this. So we used to do this thing, some March Madness challenge thing, where we got all these disgusting foods and we ranked them one through eight. And every time, every March Madness during our show window, which used to be three to six, there were four games that would basically start and end during our show window. So we would draw teams. There was four of us, me, Nuno, Bubba, and Will would draw the teams out of a hat. You got two teams. And if your team lost, you had to eat whatever that team's corresponding food was. So for example, like if UNC was a one seed, their food would be the worst possible thing because there's mo they're most likely not going to lose. But if they do lose, then you're going to have to eat something really disgusting. Whereas if a 16 seed lost, you just had to eat like, something dumb. So I think one time my, my team was a 15 or a 16 seed and they lost. And my punishment was I had to do two spoonfuls of mayonnaise just straight. Oh, you know, I don't mind mayo, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I like it lightly spread on a sandwich. And even then, sometimes I'm more of a Miracle Whip girl, but it's Ugh. still pretty light. It's pretty light to think of a full dollop of mayo going in. And here's the thing, once. it was oh my warm, because it was warm oh, too, because I had just, we had literally opened a fresh thing of mayo, I take the spoonful, it's jiggly, I put it in my mouth, and I immediately knew it was not happening, tried to swallow it as fast <laughs> as I could, and then came right back up in the garbage can next to me, couldn't do it. You, you just made my skin crawl when you described <laughs> jiggly mayo on the spoon. That is the most disgusting <laughs> thing I have ever heard.
Wow. Okay. So hopefully Chris doesn't get to this part of the podcast yep. and get deterred from completing his challenge. Yep. I think I could eat a lime though, right? That's not that hard. Question here. And we should have asked him, do you have to eat the rind too? Oh, I assume no. I would assume you peel it like an orange. Yeah. Just the flesh. Yeah. You don't really eat the rind of anything really, unless you're a psycho. So no, I'm going to peel it like a normal human being and just eat the, you know, I don't even know. Does it come apart like an orange does where you can get little no. slivers of it? No. I mean, And I'll just take a bite of it. You've taken a shot of tequila. You know that it doesn't peel apart. It's like the the debris hangs off the rind. That's true. That is true. All right. I'm not actually that intimidated by that. So here we go. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. I don't know. I <laughs> love it. All right. Well, we will do that next week. During the podcast next week, I'm going to have a lemon diced up. So Rudy's going to have a lime diced up and we have to consume it. And the hour it takes for us to record the podcast. It's the Chris Long lemon lime challenge. I love Let's that. make it go viral. All right, Steve, well, let's get to a review, shall we? If you haven't already, please head to Apple Podcasts, search for Small Talk. It's a black box with white writing. Subscribe to it, rate it, preferably five stars, and leave a review. Like this guy, Colin Royals, who says, great pod, five stars. Day one listener since the post-show pod, respect. First review, I thought the pod peaked when Saruti said hearing a Millie by Lil Wayne makes him want to chug Jaeger, but it's only gotten better. That is a true story, actually. That is actually definitely. <laughs> I Maybe we should do that. What song do you associate with, with what alcohol? Like what stage in your life? That could be kind of funny because for sure, whenever I was drinking Jaeger, I was listening to some Lil Wayne album. I said Lil Wayne like I'm this incredibly old white person now, uh, yeah. which I am. But Jaeger, there's an age limit on Jaeger, I feel like. And it's not even the drinking age, which is funny. For me, it's Bad by Mike Jones and the Ying Ying Twins. And it's this blue drink we used to get at CO's at Illinois called an Ice Bomb. Is it hypnotic? It is not hypnotic <laughs> and it is not um, Alizé. It's not yeah. Alizé either. It's essentially like blue Curacao vodka okay. Sprite. It's a bajillion things in a big plastic cup. And it's called, it was called an Ice Bomb. And people used to come up and they would, I mean, this is obviously many years pre-corona, but you would scoop the ice out of someone's drink and throw it across the room. And we called it icing them before Smirnoff ice became a thing. And then they have to chug their drink and Ooh. things got messy. Things got messy. But let me tell you, Steve, when bad came on in COs and it was bomb night, shit got weird. Shit got weird and it got weird quick. There are just certain songs where you hear the intro and you go, it's getting weird tonight. And that's Definitely. definitely one of those songs. Like, I have three. Maybe we'll rank those at some point because we still have to do a playlist and we haven't done like, a bangers playlist yet. So maybe no. we, that's our next one. We've got to do the playlist. Songs that come on and you know it's going to get weird. Playlist. <laughs> okay, maybe next show. <laughs> next show, maybe we'll do that. We'll, do, we'll bring back the small talk playlist. <laughs> oh, I'm so down for that. And all of a sudden I'm going through my 2007 Rolodex of songs. And there's I've got, a lot. I've got three right now that I could give you, but I'm gonna, we'll, we'll hold it. We'll hold it. We'll hold it. We will hold it. But thank you to Colin for that review. Great review. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you, of course, to Chris Long. Be sure to check out all of his work with Chalk Media and the Greenlight Podcast. Thank you, Saruti. Steve and I will be back in action next week. But until then, stop hating on strawberries. Aliens exist. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.